Ricky Designer 122. In this episode, we're going to be looking at a couple of email questions that were sent in by some of our listeners again. Uh, one of them deals with portfolios and, and what should go in your portfolio. We're going to touch on that briefly because I know we've done that topic a couple of times, but it's always a good thing to talk about. And also the other one is about uh, starting a freelance job as, as a full-time job, like going off on your own and actually setting foot into the, the, the land of freelancing. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And I also wanted to show share with you a, uh, a, a an article that I found about um, things that can be kind of red flags when you're doing freelancing, when you're talking with your clients. So that's pretty much what we're going to be covering today on Rookie Designer. Well, uh, Happy New Year to everyone. I know it's been quite some time since we did a podcast and, uh, you know, New Year, same story. So uh, I'm putting these out whenever I can, which doesn't seem to be all that often. But uh, I do appreciate that everybody still sends me in emails and asks me questions and stuff. And I apologize if I don't get back to you in a timely fashion. Uh, what I like to do these days with the questions is go ahead and do a podcast like the one we're going to do today, where I actually answer the questions through the podcast rather than having to write up a big email and really only having that one person benefit from, from what I have to say. I actually like to uh, answer it on the podcast so because I know there's a lot of people out there that may have the same question and just had, have not asked it or maybe aren't, aren't as outgoing and aren't going to ask that question and, and they can benefit from hearing you know my opinion on the, on the matter. Not that I'm the uh, authority on such things, but it is nice to hear an opinion from someone else. So um, that's, that is kind of the way I'm, I'm trying to deal with stuff. But if you do, if you have sent in an email and it's something that, uh, that needs an answer, hopefully I will get to you soon enough and uh, hope it's not in, uh, I hope it's not too late for, for what you're expecting, but uh, things are busy around here. So uh, again, you know, I just, I, I know I sound like a broken record, but this is just the way things are going to have to be. A lot of you said, you know, keep doing the show. It doesn't matter when you put them out, as long as you put them out here and there. And, and that's pretty much what it's gone to. And that's pretty much where it's at, what we're going to have to do. So if that's okay with you, then I will thank you for tuning in and listening and uh, subscribing, whatever it is, however you get the show. I really appreciate that you've stuck with me through uh, the tough times when there aren't very many, aren't very many podcasts being put out. And, uh, you know, I'm always hopeful that we'll, we'll get things going again and get them getting out a lot more often than it has been. But uh, the reality is that might not be the case. So anyways, uh, Last Order Business is our sponsor and our sponsor is as always GoToMeeting. And with GoToMeeting you could do more and travel less. And you do this by hosting meetings online. It's very easy. You one simple click to start a meeting. Others can join the meeting through their own browser. It doesn't matter where in the world they are. They can see what you're doing on your desktop and it's all in real time. You talk to them over the phone or over voice over IP or both, and it's real-time sharing. You're not only talking to somebody over the phone trying to explain what your project is or what stage your project is in, you can actually show them at the same time. And it's really effective that way that people get the message. It's very cost-effective because you pay one flat rate and you meet as many times as you need to. 
So if you want to try it out for free, you can do that. Just go to this URL. It's gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. Uh, there'll be a little form to fill out and you can download and try the software for free for 30 days. And again, in that 30 days, try it out as much as you need to uh, set up a bunch of meetings and check out the functionality and see if it's something that's going to work for you. So I wanted to start off this podcast with uh, one of the questions that was sent in by one of our listeners, Jeff. And he says, my name is Jeff. I'm a young designer trying to build a web portfolio that will help me show freelance clients some of my work and also uh, I can use to show employers. Long story short, I was wondering if you could give me any tips on things employers look for when looking at a portfolio and if there are any rookie no-nos that I should watch out for. How much is too much when it comes to content? And anything in particular that might catch their eye, or is there anything you want to look for when you look at someone's portfolio? All very good questions. And like I said, we've done in the past a couple of different shows, I think, on portfolios, what to put in them. Uh, never really done one on a web specific, but I think I've talked a little bit about uh, putting web pieces in your portfolio, which is a little bit different. And, and, another thing I, I guess I would point out right from the beginning here is things are shifting a little bit. It's not to say that you shouldn't put together a printed out portfolio, make it look all nice, do whatever you're going to do, have your book ready to take with you, but things are shifting. I'm seeing a lot more where people are less interested in that printed out, you know, hardbound portfolio being brought to them so that they can they can look through it. A little more interested in getting things kind of uh getting things kind of expedited in the fact that they can look at a portfolio online even before you come in and talk to them at all. And you're going to find this, obviously, in most places these days. Uh, if you're looking online for a job, which I think is pretty commonplace, you're going to notice that people, first of all, don't want you to call them at all. They want to get an email from you. They might give you a physical address that you can send something to, which is a, a good idea as well. We'll touch on that. But what they're generally wanting up front is your cover letter, your resume, and a link to an online portfolio, especially if you're in web work. Obviously, that's where you that's your medium. That's where you work. So they're going to want you to have some kind of online portfolio. So um, it, again, it's not to say that you don't want that printed portfolio, because even if you send that link to your online portfolio before you even get in there, and they actually end up calling you in and having an interview, you want to have something else to bring them as well. You know, something they might want to take a look at it, they might not, but always, you know, err on the side of caution and, and say, let's bring it in just in case they do want to have another look. And so, so doing this, making web portfolio pieces a little bit different, of course, because they weren't made for print. So, and I don't think anybody's going to expect anything spectacular. Nobody expects you to, you know, take your whole website and take it into Illustrator and redraw everything so that all the corners are sharp and everything looks perfect. I don't think anybody's really expecting that. With web design, it's, of course, more about, you know, the production of the site. Uh, the design elements are key, but nobody expects it to print out super great. It's more about, you know, how did you code this? Or how do the design elements come together on the page? Those kind of things. I don't think they're really concerned with what it looks like printed out. But you know, that's that being said, you got to do your your best job that you can to get it printed out nicely. Um, you know, put it on your on whatever kind of paper, what kind of whatever kind of backing you're using for your portfolio, and try and make it look as good as your print pieces. Um, let me address some a couple of the questions that he had here. 
So, you know, I, I think we looked at a couple of pointers already. Are there any rookie no-nos? Well, I, I think we maybe touched on some. First of all, you don't want to just throw something together. You, you want to do everything nicely. You want it presented something that you can be proud of, something that, you know, you think will get you a job. So first of all, there's a million different routes you can go for portfolios. There's all kinds of different books that are out there these days, different ways to present your work. And you got to choose the one that you think is the best, maybe one that reflects your style a little bit more, or one that you think, you know, most employers would would like to look at would would find attractive. So that's really all on you. Uh, As far as no no's, I mean, just don't, don't just throw something together the night before. Uh, That sounds kind of stupid, but I think it needs to be put out there because I'm sure there's people that have done that before, and it's just not the way to go. You want to work on your portfolio continuously. Every time you're coming out with new pieces that you think are worthy of that portfolio, you need to sub those in and take out some of the old ones that maybe don't belong there anymore. And you, you should see a gradual you know, upslope, a hockey stick, if you will, of the talent that's coming out of yourself, you know, because as the years go by, you should be getting better, hopefully. If not, maybe there's some kind of problem there. Maybe maybe something needs to be done, but your work should get better. And at that point, you should start putting in some of that good work and getting rid of some of the work that maybe isn't up to par anymore. Uh, other than that, I would say be careful. And I think this goes right into one of the other questions, which was how much content, how many pieces do you put in there? And and the one thing you don't want to do is only put like three pieces in there because then the employer or whoever's looking at it might be like, all right, is this all the experience you have? Or is this, have you only done three pieces that are worthy of showing to people? That sends a bad, kind of a bad vibe there. Also putting too much stuff. I mean, nobody wants to sit there for a half hour, 45 minutes looking at your work. So most of the things that I've read have have said, keep it within 10 to 12 pieces. You, you want to show a good selection of your best work, but you only want to show your best work. And I know there's some people out there that, that might just be like, well, I have so much good stuff. You know, it's all great. But, you know, limiting, limiting, limiting it to like 10 pieces of, of your best of your best, the best of the best, I think is your best bet for really having something that that someone's going to want to take a look at and really getting a feel for what your work is like and how you work and how you design. So I think that's probably your best bet as far as, you know, really coming to a decision of what what are the best pieces and what do you need to show somebody. So I think those are the two major things, you know, make sure it's your best work, make sure it's at least somewhat recent. I mean, there are points in my portfolio where I kind of had some really good pieces. And then maybe I had a year where I really didn't work on too much. I I did a lot of freelance stuff and it was all kind of not something that I would put in my portfolio because it was, it was kind of managed a little too much by the client and not enough by me. So it wasn't something that I felt fit in there, but you got to try and also keep it current. You want to keep it current to what your new skills are so that you can show them, Hey, you know, I did this just recently. This is the kind of thing I'm capable of. Now, going back to the website of things, again, a printed portfolio really puts you at a disadvantage, but again, you don't want to just blow it off because some people still might want to see that. And let's say you're going in for a web design job and you don't have a whole lot of experience just in web. Maybe you've done some print experience. Uh, I have done this before as well. I've put a a couple of pieces in that were print to a web design job. It's not ideal. If you're going for a web design job, 
or a web development or something like that, you basically want everything to be relevant to, to what you're doing, if you can. But if you can't, I'd say rather than putting just three pieces in of websites, maybe stick a couple of more pieces in so they know that you have some other skills. Um, designing for print is w very much different from designing for web, but them knowing that you have that, that flexibility and design skills may, may actually work in your advantage in that particular situation. That actually brings up uh, another good topic, I think, when we're talking about um, the relevance of your work to the job that you're trying to get. And that is, if it's a particular uh, industry, let's say you were going for a job of web design in like a fashion company. If you have any other previous work in fashion, you want to make sure that those are in there. Uh, if if you have a bunch of fashion stuff and you work for a technical company, obviously you're going to lean towards, you might still put some of the technical stuff in there, but you're going to lead toward, lean towards the fashion industry stuff because that's going to make the most sense to them. It's more relevant. They know that you have some experience in that industry. So of course that's going to help you out as well. Uh, I, I think if you kind of follow these, these simple rules though, I think you're going to be uh, the best off. But I, I think the most important things are keeping that thing updated, making sure that it is your best work, making sure that you have enough work in there, but not too much. And also make sure that you, you can talk about your pieces and, and let them understand why you made certain decisions. I mean, nobody wants to see this thing and, and you have nothing to say about it. You know, you, you're just like, well, that's what the client asked for. So that's what I did. I mean, nobody designs like that. You have certain reasons as to why you design things a certain way. So make sure that you're prepared to talk about each piece, talk about why you did things the way you did them. And maybe talk about the pros of pros and cons of what happened when you were working through that project, because that's all part of, you know, what's going to go on at your new job. Uh, and, and it's, it's very relevant it's things that you need to know and be able to talk about. So, uh, hopefully those will at least, at least get you started. And, uh, thank you, Jeff, for sending that in. If you have any specific questions that you want to ask, you can definitely email me again and I'll try and hook you up with that. All right. The next question that was sent in, is uh, from one of our listeners, Jermaine. And it says, when do you think is a good time to take the next step and make your freelance a full-time job and start your own business? Um, this is a toughie. And we talk about a lot of things on this show, or I talk about a lot, a lot of things on this show. And you probably heard the, the phrase out of my mouth several times. Uh, it really depends on the person. And this is one of those times that, that you really have to feel this out yourself but, you know, and I've talked about freelancing and going into freelance, and I don't think I've talked too much about starting your own business and making that your full-time, your full income, your full-time job, uh, because I've never done that before. And it, it's, a, it's a big thing. It's a very scary thing. And I've had friends that do it, and I've talked a little bit about that. You know, sometimes it's not a full-time job year-round. Sometimes they had to get, like, seasonal jobs because, because of the seasonality of their work. Of, of the work that they're getting from clients, but there's a lot of, a lot of different factors that go into this. And, you know, I've touched on some of them before the main things I would say, and, and I think I'm kind of going over again, things that I've talked about in the past, but big things to remember are freelancing is not just design. That's rule number one that you have to know. And I would always, always recommend that somebody get in 
get in the front door, start doing freelance design in their spare time before they decide that they're going to, you know, go off and, and start this new company and have it be their only income. Uh, again, it sounds like something stupid to say, but hey, maybe somebody out there has very big expectations and, and they think that, you know, they're just going to go off and start a business and everything's going to be great. Um, always do it in your free time first. There's a lot of things that you might not realize go into it that go into it. First of which is this point that it's a business. You have to have some sort of business sense. Um, you have to fill many different hats unless you're, you think you're going to be successful enough to set up your own business with other employees. Now, taking on employees is a completely different game. That's, that causes a whole new set of headaches that you probably don't want to deal with. Uh, the easiest way to do this is to do it yourself, have it be a sole proprietorship. You don't have to worry about employees, which in, the, in that case, you would have to worry about paying your employees, insurance, uh, benefits, things like that. I mean, those are things you don't even want to touch yet. So let's just think about, okay, we're going to start a business with ourselves. So what do we have to do? We have to fill several hats. We have to become uh, the salesperson. We have to go out and find clients, find people who need design work and, you know, talk them into using us as their design resource. We have to act as a customer sales or a customer service representative, uh, somebody that they can call. They're having a problem. We're having problems with des with the design. I mean, these are normal things, but in a big business, you might not have to communicate communicate with the customer. There might be somebody else that does that for you. So just know that you know you're you're the last line of defense. You're the person that's talking to the customer. If they have any kind of problems, you know whatever kind of service it is that you're giving to them, if they have problems with it. You have to be the one that talks to them, talks them through it, figures it out. You know, maybe you have to knock some money off the price if something goes wrong, you know, things like that. So you have to be a very, very good communicator with your clients. Uh, other things that you need to do, um, you're going to have to work with outside uh outside uh, contractors sometimes. Sometimes you might need to contract out some of the work if you don't know how to do the work. Uh, if you're doing a website, they need some kind of uh, web development done and you're only on the design side, you might need to contract some of that out. Um, in some cases, you might actually, and this is completely up to you, but you might offer to actually find a printer for somebody to print out whatever it is you're designing for them. Then you would have to contact those people as well. Uh, you also have to be the person that uh, invoices, uh, figures out your own books, of course. I mean, you got to figure out how much you're charging these people and you keep track of your time and then figure out how much they owe you at the end of the project. Um not to mention all the tax implications that go on with that. So I always suggest that you get yourself a bookkeeper because uh, I'm really bad with that stuff. And uh, I'd rather have a professional doing it because, you know, when it comes to taxes, it's, it's, uh, that's not games right there. You, you want to make sure that everything's correct and you're, you're paying the right amount of taxes throughout the year so that you don't hit it, get hit at the end of the year with a ton of tax money that you can't pay, you can't afford to pay. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's the aspect of, you know, problems. What happens when a, a customer doesn't want to pay or can't pay or can't pay on time? Now you're kind of that collector type of person as well, and you have to deal with that. So just a few examples of, of things that you're going to have to deal with being a freelancer, I think kind of starts to shed some light on the fact that, you know, this isn't just going, you know, down to your, your local 
restaurants or drugstores or retail stores and saying, hey, you want some design work? That's great. Yeah, okay. And then, you know, three months later, you're getting paid for something that you designed for them. There's a hell of a lot more that goes into it than just that. So uh, anyone that didn't know that, there's a, a little... Uh, a little wake-up call, I guess you would say. So when we're talking about, okay, it's time to go out and we're going we're gonna to start that freelance business and we're going to do it full-time, which is something I think pretty much every designer has thought about because, hey, it's great, right? You're your own boss. You have whatever hours you want. If you want to take a vacation, you just make sure that you work enough to cover the money that, that you know, will cover the, the amount of time that you're on vacation and gone. Uh, you can work remotely if you want to. Hell, you could take a vacation and work on your vacation if need be. Um, there's a lot, a lot of great things that can come from that, but there's a lot of work that goes along with it. So when to make the jump, I, I don't think there's a really good answer for that. Um, I would say, though, as I said in the beginning here, make sure you do it part-time first. Make sure you do it in your free time when you, if you're going to school, maybe you're doing some on the side, or if you have a full-time job already, maybe you do some on the side and, and just see how it suits you first. You know, a lot of people don't relate well to other people, don't relate well with clients. And relating with other people is a completely different thing than relating with clients because clients can be bitchy. They can they want what they want. They want the most for their money. They want they want you to work extra and pay you less. And that's basically how it works. And, you know, when you first start off, you're probably not going to get those A-list clients. You're going to get people that are hard to work with, people that want to underpay you. And uh, things are going to go wrong. And you kind of have to work your way up to those A-list clients or weed out the bad ones and keep the good ones that, that keep continuing to give you work. And uh, it's really just a process. So I think definitely you should be working, you know, at least for a couple of months to a year to a couple of years before you think about going off on your own. Now, if you do this, it, it gives you the advantage that maybe you do build up a couple of customers. I've had a couple of customers that, that come to me and give me a, a decent amount of work every month. You know, I can count on them for X amount of hours of work or X amount of dollars. And that's really where you want to be. That's when you start saying, okay, now I know I have pretty much a steady income from, you know, client A, B, and C here. I can count on that. So if I go off on my own now, you know, I know I only have to make up this amount of money. So you're going to have your bills, you're going to have whatever it is you need to pay, plus you're spending money, plus whatever money you need to put back into the business. These are all things that need to be figured out first. But when you get that number and you have your, you know, two to three to maybe five regular clients that are going to give you money and, and you can see, you know, you can prove it through several months that you get X amount of dollars from them. You just got to subtract that and say, okay, well, I have to make up this much money, which means I have to get two more clients or five more clients a month. And uh, that's that's really when you when you start putting the pieces together. I think, I think you have to, you definitely have to come at it from a business sense, in, in that you have to make a certain amount of money every month, and you have to know how many clients that you have to get, and you have to decide that yes, I think I can do that. I can get those clients. And what happens if I can't? You know, do I have a fallback plan? Do I have something else I can do? Um, am I going to be totally screwed if I don't make enough money? Because that's when things are going to go wrong and you're going to end up just having to ditch things. Maybe you then have to go get a full-time job and then that could possibly cut into the regular clients that you had and then you start pissing them off because you can't do their work anymore. So a lot of things to think about 
first of which is, how are you going to survive? How are you going to make enough money to keep your life afloat, to keep uh, to keep all your bills paid, to keep the phone on and the power and all that? And once you get through that, now now you're starting to think of okay, how am I gonna how am I gonna get this done? And then once you figure out how to get it done, then I, I think you can start to really make a solid plan as to how to make this business work. But I really think that you really have to work in this industry a little bit. And by industry, I mean freelancing itself because you have to taste, get a taste of all those different things of selling people on the fact that, that your design is good and they need it and you're the best one to do it and how to get those people hooked, you know, do a good job, uh, help them enough that they're going to come back to you and give you more work. You also have to, you know, that customer service role. You have to get used to that, being able to deal with people's problems in a great way that makes them feel good at the end of the project so that, again, they will come back to you and give you more work. Uh, billing people, keeping on top of that stuff, whether you use a bookkeeper or not, um, are you effective at billing people and getting the money from them in a timely manner so that you can pay your bills on time? Uh, it's not always the easiest thing to do, but you got to get a taste of all these things because you really just don't know what you're getting yourself into if you haven't done it yet. So that would be my my key to it. As to when the best time is, that really, again, is is up to you personally. You have to decide when that good time is. And uh, it's really going to depend on a lot of factors. Like I said, it's going to p- depend on how much money do you need to make? Do do you think you have enough clients to make that, that amount every month? And uh, once you once you decide that yes you can then you know coming up with with the processes that you use is probably going to be the easiest way to get into that because having processes in place to where all the external stuff all the extra stuff that you have to throw on besides the design if you can get the processes of that stuff down so that it kind of works like clockwork and doesn't slow you down on the design side of things that's really when things are going to go well but all I can say here is is what what little I know of what you might be getting yourself into because again I've never done it you know I, I've thought about it several times and other things to think about too the fact that you know I get benefits from my full time job I'm now going to have to go out and find a provider and purchase my own benefits my own medical and dental and all that kind of stuff so those are things you got to deal with as well the tax thing is kind of a headache as well because it's best if you pay every quarter pay your taxes then because like I said you could end up at the end of the year if you make enough money uh, you could end up owing the government tons and tons of money and all of a sudden you don't have it and that that's just a big big problem so there's a lot of things to think about there if you have anybody that you know close to you that that has started a business before maybe owns their own business I, I would definitely talk about talk about things with them and, and see what you can learn from them about just basically owning a business you know obviously they're not going to know anything about freelancing itself but they know something about owning a business and they could probably teach you a thing or two so uh, I, I would say just be cautious you know make sure that you're ready for this jump otherwise you could fail horribly and and set yourself back a bit. But uh, hopefully that helps out a little bit. I know I can't shed a whole lot of light on it, but uh, you know it's something like I said. A lot of people think about. I've thought about it many times, but I just have never felt ready to make that jump because it's a big one. All right. The last thing I wanted to talk about here. 
Uh, I found this article that I thought was really good, and it kind of goes with our topic here of freelancing, which I like to talk about a lot because, again, it's it's just something that we can do. You know, when you have these skills, it's something that you can do on the side and, and make some extra cash, and it's it's really nice. Um, this one comes from the site Creative Bits. It's a nice little blog that has all kinds of stuff for freelancers and designers. Um, and you can find that at creativebits.org. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, The title of this article is 10 Absolute No's for Freelancers. So a lot of this stuff are things that you might hear from a client, and it should throw up a very big red flag in your mind when you hear these things because things can just start getting way out of hand. Um, So the first one he asks here is, can you show me a mock-up to help us choose a designer-developer? And his answer is no. And my answer is absolutely not. Talked a little bit about this in the past as well. It, it basically amounts to what, what is called spec work. And that's when you're actually creating something, designing something for someone in hopes that they'll like your design better than other people's and they will choose you to actually do the work. The problem with this, the big problem with this is you're doing work, you're spending your time to create this design with absolutely no guarantee that you're going to be paid for it. And even if you get the job, you're not really getting paid for this work. You're going to be paid for the work that you're going to do with them going forward, not this work that you've already done. So I have a big problem with that. Uh, it's it's a personal thing. Again, if, if you don't have a problem with that, if you've got just you know tons of time to go ahead and do things that you're not going to be paid for or compensated for in any way, then that's great. Go ahead and do it. But this is a big red flag for me. And I, I don't think it's a fair way to do things. And there's a lot of designers that are against it. Uh, I'm sure if you talk to two or three people, you people who do design, you will hear, you know, at least one of them say, yeah, don't do that. So just, just be careful with that one. Uh, the second one is, can you give us a discount rate? I've heard this a couple of times. It, it's a little bit insulting. Um, my answer is usually no, though. You know, I, I don't want to I don't want to sacrifice what I do. I price my my projects as I think they're supposed to be priced. Now, there are certain occasions where somebody's like, "Oh, I'm going to be having a lot of work for you," and this this is another kind of one to worry about. You really have to build that trust with that customer, and if you think that they are going to be able to come with you, come come to you for for more work later on, then you might decide to to lower the price a little bit. But it's it's a tricky situation. You really have to build up that trust with that person to know that yeah, I'm going to get more work out of it, so I can drop my prices a little bit. But as far as discounts go, I I would say no. Uh, the next one is, will you register and host my site? Absolutely not. This is a bunch of extra work that you don't want. Uh, If you do web design or development or anything like that, even if you know how to do these things, absolutely not. Um, It's just a big headache. You're going to get phone calls about things going wrong that you don't want to deal with. Uh, On a couple of occasions with people that I'm comfortable with, I have pointed them in the direction. I have helped them register and set up with a host that I I trust, that I use. Still, even then, it can be bad because when they have a problem, they might call you instead of the host. So it's best to just stay away from that. Uh, Can you copy this site? Uh, Everybody should know that that's a bad idea. 
uh, copying other people's work, be it images, be it writing, be it a whole entire website design, not a good idea. Absolutely not is the answer to that one as well. Um, let me skip over some of these because they aren't all completely relevant. Uh, the next one is, do you have an IM account? <laughs> and I'm going to agree with the writer of this one. He says no. Uh, it's a bad idea unless you want to set up a, a special IM account for you know a particular person. Now this guy says, you know, I have a couple of people that I trust that I know, you know, we're going to be in the middle of a big project and we're going to need to talk a lot. So maybe you just set up uh, an IM uh, login for just that project or just that person. That way, if you don't want to be bothered by someone, you just turn it off. You don't log in and they can't contact you. But don't give them your regular IM because you'll be hating life. They'll be trying to contact you all the time. You'll have to change it to something new so that you can get rid of these people. Just a bad idea. Uh, can I just pay the whole amount when it's done? My answer is no on this one as well. I, it's a bad idea. I've talked about it many times. Getting that deposit up front is very important because you don't know, especially when you're working with someone brand new, you don't know how this customer is going to be, how this client is going to be. First of all, are they reliable enough to actually pay the money at the end of the job when you need it, when it's due? Maybe not. Uh, are they just going to skip town? Are they going to try and not pay it? Are they going to be dissatisfied with the work at the end and decide they don't want to pay it? You, you need to get at least like 30% up front just so that, you know, if something happens in the middle of the project and all of a sudden they don't want to finish it, you still have payment for the work that you've already done. So it's always a good idea to get that, that money up front and, and try not to let people get around it. When I've worked with people for several, several projects, sometimes I will waive the, the, uh, the deposit for them just because I know that they're good for it. But other than that, it's always a requirement for me. Uh, is there any way you could get this done tonight or this weekend? Okay, we set, when we, when we start a project, when we sign the documents, the, the contract that says what we're going to do, it also has a deadline on there. And that deadline is the deadline. If they want it sooner than that, they're going to have to pay extra money. So this this one, I'd, I wouldn't say no. I'd say it's up to you. But my response to be would be to this: Can I can I get this done tonight or this weekend? Um, sure, but it's going to cost you X amount of dollars on top of what we already agreed on. Um, spending your own precious time is really up to you whether you want to do that or not. And I've had instances like this where I, I made something, I made the deadline right before I was going to leave for vacation. That was a huge mistake because I'm going back and forth at the very, at the, at the 11th hour and they want me to do this, this, and this before I leave. And then it turns out they didn't even end up putting it on their website for several months. So it didn't matter if I got it done then or not. So usually the, the, the answer to this question is going to be no, unless you know you're okay with spending that time. And then if you're going to do it, I would say charge them extra. If it's something that, that they want done before the time that you agreed on, then they should be prepared for, to pay for that. Can I be sure you won't use this work in anything else? And the answer to that is no. I mean, if you're creating original designs, original graphics, images, whatever it is that you're creating for them, uh, you should have you should have freedom to use that unless, and this is another topic we've talked about in the past, they're going to buy the rights to it, essentially. 
if they want to if they want all the files the the source files of what you've created when you're done then they need, they need to pay extra for that extra on top of just the regular cost for you designing that piece for them in the first place because this gives them free reign to take that design claim it as solely as theirs and even take it to another designer and have them do stuff to it that is completely different than you just designing something for them to use for, you know, an ad. You know, now they can take that and split it off and make it a bunch of different ads, which you're not getting paid for now. So you need to make sure that you get paid for that. Um, so anything that goes along with that, I think uh, you really need to to examine. I mean, no is the easy the easy answer to that. The more complicated one is, well, okay, do you want to buy the rights to this? And if so, let's figure out a cost that we can agree on. And then we can guarantee that I won't use this in anything else. But I think just a, a couple of good things that he has here. And again, I'll put this a link to this article in the show notes. So you can get them at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. And uh uh, some good things to point out, some good things to think about when you're freelancing and and can give you some insight into what freelancing is like, you know, a couple of these things. And also uh, my website for today, I think, does a little bit of the same thing. So actually, uh, I think that's about it for this topic until we get to our website. And he has Baker standing in his way. Two balls and no strikes to Baker. And a ground ball to third. So the website for today is uh, one of my new favorites. This one is actually cool. It's called Clients from Hell. And I think it really plays right into what we've been talking about, about freelancing. Maybe can give you some insight into what to expect from freelancing, what to expect from clients. But it's kind of for fun. It's kind of maybe an eye-opener for some people. For people who have been freelancing, I think it's more fun because you've probably heard some of these things before. But what it is is a collection of messages sent between freelance clients and the designers who are working with them. And some of them are just outrageous. And again, some of these things you've probably heard before if you've done freelance work. Um, It's just a little ridiculous, but fun nonetheless. And you can find this at clientsfromhell.tumblr.com. And that's Tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R. Again, this will be in the show notes as well as the uh, bullpen entry, but check it out. I think it's a nice read. Uh, there's some funny things in here. And also, if you haven't done freelancing before and you want to know you know, how idiotic some of these clients can be, this is a great place to, to read about those kinds of things. So check that out. It's a lot of fun. All right, so that's about it, I think, for today. Hopefully, we touched on some uh, some good topics that'll help you guys out in your freelancing and your design work. Uh, thank you to those of you who sent in the questions and who have also sent in questions that I haven't answered yet, uh, which hopefully we'll get to pretty soon. Um, but uh, I thank you guys for tuning in and listening to the show and uh, putting up with my very uh, inconsistent schedule. If you want to contact me, if you want to send me a question or a comment or anything, uh, you can definitely do so at the email rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's rd as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I do have a Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and just uh, search for rookie designer, you'll find that. A couple of people have posted on that. And uh, we are still doing the app clinic uh, podcast as well. You can find that at appclinic.com slash screencast. And that is a weekly video tutorial in, in usually in one of the Adobe Creative Suite 
applications. And uh, so if you have any suggestions for that podcast as well, you can send it to the same place. But uh, once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you out. And uh, just remember, everybody's a rookie before they're an all-star. Drive left center field. He might have had it. There.